Hey, this is Derek D-Train, He2. Tonight's episode is brought to you by... At Second String Leather Company, vintage goalie gear is revived, repurposed, and restitched into one-of-a-kind, handcrafted leather goods. Each collection has been hand-selected and shares a unique journey from early morning practices to championship games. Each piece has a story to tell and memories to share. Timeless products forged from full grain oil tanned leather paired with a unique blend of vintage gear. Hi, this is Mike Schaefer. I'm the head coach at Cornell University. Second string. Go to the Blue Line Hockey Club podcast to hear the rest of this. Built on the heritage podcast. of the game. Crap. Two, one. From the crease. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We have another exciting episode tonight, 93 tonight for the Blue Liners. We have all the usual suspects sitting in the house tonight. We have our producer, Patrick Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And a local IT guy, our nerd, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you doing, man? And all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train Hitu. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweet nose? Your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Dr. Morley. Oh, doctor. And very special guest with the Blue Liners tonight, we have head coach Mike Schaefer from the Big Red and Cornell. Five-time ECAC Coach of the Year, three-time Ivy League Coach of the Year, stellar career at, at Cornell, and it's a pleasure to have you on, Coach. How are you? Appreciate it. I'm a little disappointed I don't have a handle. Yeah, we should have got a handle for you. <laughs> Work on it. <laughs> next next time. I, we'll, I we'll saw you rock the handlebars. That, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, uh, you know, obviously a disappointing uh, end of the season this year. Um, you know, I don't even know how we can even approach this this question. But I was a, a athlete at UMass Amherst, and I don't know what it'd be like to lose my senior year um, and not being able to finish it out. So those guys on the team must be you know devastated. What's the NCAA going to do for for the seniors? Are, are they going to come back as a redshirt? Um, are they losing the year? I think they'll lose the year for sure. I mean, I mean not the spring spring athletes. Uh, I think the winter athletes, uh, pretty much everybody had gone through their season and and uh, done their regular season. There's you know there's even teams that had already been eliminated. Their seasons were over. So I just don't see that uh, the NCAA. Uh, you know, they're, sometimes they're not the most forward thinking. So I don't think that the, they're going to go out there and and allow a bunch of athletes to come back just because they. You know, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to play. You know, two more games or six more games. So, um, you know, I think that yeah. they, uh, those guys have seen the last of their their opportunity to play collegiate hockey or basketball or or wrestling or whatever it was that uh, got taken away from. Coach, what did I mean when you make when you know when the NCAA makes that announcement and you know you have to you know, approach your team about this. Like what's, you know, what's that feel in the locker? I mean, what, how, what's their reaction? Um, what's your reaction? How, how does that go? Well, I, I think that, 
you know, it, it, it was, it was weird. It was, I mean, obviously, uh, um, nothing that anybody's ever faced before. And, um, you know, just the, the initial thing, it, it, you know, and it's different to, in today's society. I mean, these kids, I mean, they're getting information left and right on Twitter and text messages from other kids that, you know, maybe, you know, our guys were in school and they were getting to the rink and they had already, you know, they're getting bits and pieces of it. And a lot of them are kind of didn't want to, didn't want to believe it. And, you know, we were told early in the morning that we're, you know, the ECAC was still going to go on. And then by the time the guys got there, we knew you know, on the Wednesday that it was done. And so it was just, a. Uh, um, once once the Big Ten basketball dropped out, you knew that the money sport with basketball was over, and that was yeah. going to be it for all all the all the winter sports. And so it was uh, it was hard. I mean, it's as you mentioned, as seniors. Uh, we didn't have a lot of them, thank goodness. I mean, we had three guys that were seniors, and you know they just uh, you know some of them are disbelief, some of them crying. A lot of guys, you know, I said uh, you know crying in the locker room because it. Uh, they committed and worked so hard to get to the where they were to just you know and, and they, they all these guys knew they they for three years we've been knocking on the door to win an ECAC title in the tournament and we've been in the NCAA three years in a row and and they knew that you know in each one of those years they had their you know they felt they could get to the Frozen Four and they felt even better this year so um, it just uh, those cumulative effects it wasn't like we were just kind of on a run they. they They'd, uh, it'd been their goal all year long to win a national championship. And, um, you know, and so it was uh, tough, but as I said, it was like, it, it talked to them about it was like 9-11. When it first happened, 9-11, you know, uh, he just thought it was just a, a terrorist attack. And, and, and it was just going to make it kind of, you know, you didn't know what to think. But, you know, by the time the second, third, and fourth day rolled in, you realize the magnitude of it and, uh and you, you kind of thought back, and you couldn't believe he even reacted that way. And I think these guys have already experienced that. You know, within a week, we can in just talking to to six of them today for their player interviews. I mean, they understand the magnitude of what happened, and and uh, they're not you know not happy about it, but they definitely they totally understand. Yeah, Mike. Uh, you know, you guys were you know favored to go. Uh, to the frozen four and win the whole thing this year. Um, when did you realize, you know, you had a very special team? Was that, you know, at the beginning of the season? Um, I know you had two early losses, but, you know, for 23, two and four um, this year is pretty special. Um, was it, you know, that group of guys that on the ice one day, you just said, you know, we have something special here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know when, uh, uh, you know, I know by the end of the year that we we were, there was a special group. I, I think as a coach all year long, you're, you're kind of waiting for the, the shoe to drop. Um, and we had, we had eight freshmen in the lineup. So uh, we, we played with a lot of young guys night in, night out. And, and I know that we got off to a really good start and, uh, um, but I bet we've been there before. And then, you know, taking that three weeks off is always a, t- a tough time I thought that we we had something special when we we we, uh, we played out in the, in the Las Vegas tournament. We came out, we played, you know, really solid against Ohio State, against a team that we had seen on video, and we knew they were really good. Um, and we we played well against them. And the next night, uh, um, you know, we tied Prov, came back and tied Providence. So I, so I knew that they could face adversity. And right there, I kind of knew we were good. And then uh, um, when we got kind of you know woken up a little bit at. Uh, uh, Quinnipiac, where we got spanked. And the next night we came out and <clears throat> you know, over the years when 
when a team like that gets a lot of shit and you know from the coach, they can react in two different ways. They can they can kind of you know uh, pull back a little bit uh, and not play with confidence, but play hard. But they played hard. They played with confidence, and from there we went on and won nine in a row. And you know I knew as as they got over that hump, they were they were destined to kind of make a run at it. Nice. Yeah, coach. Um, the last couple of years, the ECAC has really been able to break into the, the tournament and produce some great teams. And you know, how is it recruiting against some of the top hockey East teams or um, some of the big teams that have huge facilities out? Um, in the Midwest, and you know, just is it harder to recruit to bring people to Cornell? Um, you know, with no scholarships and stuff like that. How does that work for you guys? Your kids have yeah, we we we, too, so. we don't really recruit against those guys. Uh, um, you know, a lot of those those programs you mentioned that whether in hockey, I mean, they're you know, they they made a distinct different uh, decision that uh, you look at them. A lot of them are they're recruiting a lot of young guys. Uh, they're They've got a lot of guys committed. Um, you know, they get a lot of kids locally. And, and you look at some programs in the East, they've got, you know, uh, they graduate, you know, four guys next year and they got 10 guys coming in. And uh, we've gone away from that. We, and it's honestly, we've gone kind of gone back to old school. Um, you know, we, we've gone back to, to um, I, I think, just getting back into the areas that, um, trusting alumni, trusting coaches, uh, trusting the areas that we recruit, which was Ontario and, and Western Canada, and then mixing in, you know, different areas, the prep schools, uh, the USHL. And, and uh, we've gone old school in the sense of just waiting for kids to develop, which can be nerve-wracking. Um, but a lot of the kids we've gotten, um, you know, over the years are kids that we've actually, with our own eyes, have seen them play well and not – try to project and uh, our assistant coaches have done a great job. Ben Sire and Sean Flanagan of um, going up. Yeah. The St. Lawrence boy up there, you know, <laughs> um, he, uh, they just, they've, they've done a good job of, as I said, not trying to project and look at potential. And uh, so it's gone old school in the sense of, you know, getting kids when they're older um, kids that get the chip on their shoulder Um maybe been overlooked by some other programs and um, we've done that for the last four or five years and it's paid off uh, with huge dividends for us. Yeah, coach, listen, so all of us, you know, are, you know, we're Canton, New York natives, you know, grew up watching St. Lawrence hockey. And one thing I always noticed when Cornell came into town, you guys looked like a big bunch of like corn fed, like farm boys. When you came in here, like, you know, St. Lawrence was like always smaller guys. You guys rolled into town with these big, massive defensemen. Um, is that kind of a style of player you look for when you're recruiting? Yeah, I mean, you know, Joe wanted all these little fast guys. We had to make sure we couldn't they couldn't get by. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I talk. I mean, the game has changed, and and you know, back in the uh, in 2000, you're right. We were huge, and and the game was called differently. The way the guys and the way we played back then. Um, I think of guys on our team and Greg Hornby and Doug Murray and Shane Hines and you go down the list of guys that are, you know, uh, I, I talked to our guys. Our guys, we're one of the biggest teams in the country right now. And I said, you know, we're small compared to what we used to have. And we we, we, we averaged, uh, uh, we went to the Frozen Four. We, we had uh, 14 guys in the lineup that were over 210. 
you know, on our team and they were just huge. And, and, but this team is, is, uh, uh, I think our defensemen average around six, three, six, four right now, but they're fast and they're lean and, and we play a different style, uh, than we used to. And so, um, you know, so I, I, yeah, I mean, if, if they're, all things are equal, I, I want the guy that's the bigger guy. I mean, no question. Um, they're just longer, lankier. Um, they don't get hurt as much. Um, and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, as I said, it's just the length of, of our defensemen right now, they're freshmen. It's, it's, they're tough to play against when, when guys are 6'4 and they can, they can skate, uh, and really skate, you know, it makes things really difficult. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I love love bigger guys, but it, you know, some of my best captains have all been five under five eight and under. Um, so we take a, a mixture. You know, Cam Donaldson is a five foot seven kid for us uh, on our team this year from Carolina. We got another kid, Jack O'Leary, coming in next year. He's he's five six. I mean, um, it, it's not just about size. It's, you know, we talk about spirit and hockey sense and and uh, uh, speed, and so. You know, they, they got to have those kind of attributes for us. And But, you know, yeah, I, personally, I love guys that are big. Coach, I'm curious. Uh, you know, you said the game has changed and things uh, things like that. But uh, where where are the hotbeds that your, you know, your recruiters like Sean, where are they pulling these kids from? Well, I mean, Sean, Sean and Ben work extremely hard. I mean, they're everywhere. I mean, they're, they're at all, all the provinces. They're at all the prep school tournaments. They're – you know, they're all through across the North American League and, and USHL. I mean, uh, we, we cast a big net and, um, you know, and I, I, I get back to it. I mean, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's their, their work ethic that makes it happen and, uh, they stay on top of things. So, uh, so we go everywhere and, and, uh, you know, we're looking, as I said, recruiting and Ivy League is a little bit different. I mean, I was at Western Michigan and you go in and everybody's on the table when you watch two teams play, you know, you go in the Ivy Leagues sometimes at the USHL game. There's there's maybe one kid on the ice that you're watching, and uh, so it can be a little bit easier and it can be a little bit harder. But everybody has their advantages. So yeah, we're we're everywhere. Um, you know, the, a lot of the business is run by agents now, and and, and so uh, you know you're always talking to those guys about you know who's available and who fits our mode and uh, mold as a team and and. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's about contacts, and the longer you're in the business, the more contacts you have, and the more more trustworthy you are, um, the more contacts you have. And I think that Sean and Ben are, I think, two of the most respected guys on the road right now, and, and they do a great job. Yeah, sure. Got to love that good old boy network. Hey, Coach, um, I got a question for you. Just the uh, changing of the game, is, we just talked about, and the faster players and stuff like that, and the clutch grabbing. Uh, moving away from the game, how has your coaching style had to change from when you first started in, in Cornell until today as far as, you know, how you coach these players? Everything's kind of changed is how they can play the game. So you must have to, you know, change your ways of how you coach them. Yeah, I mean, it's changed. I mean, it's, there's probably like three segments. But my first year when I took a 95, we are the most penalized team in the ECAC um, <laughs> because I just wanted our guys to flat out be reckless in their compete and um you know and and so when we came back when i first came back in there there was you know uh we had a saying that there were certain penalties that we would kill off but there were certain penalties that we would never you, know, you would be sitting the bench for and you know we took a lot of those penalties that we'd kill off and 
so we, we just kind of established our, our compete level. So we were a big physical team that did grab you a lot and slow you down. Um, and then, you know, when, when clutching grabbing was, was in vogue, um, I mean, we played against, uh, I was in the league against Lake state, man. It was, you couldn't move without someone having a stick in your ribs, um, you know, or being above you. And, and, and it made things really difficult to play against those guys. And so when I first came back, I was like, I mean, there's a team that could win a national championship. And we did. We, we, you know, if we could have our big guys could get their hands on you, they were going to hold you up and they were going to pin you in the corners and, and, you know, uh, do that. And then I don't know, it, it, uh, uh, as a, as a league and, and NHL and everything progressed, even about five, five, six years ago, we just decided of, of a style that we had to play. Um, if we're going to win a national championship and we had to get away from, um, we wanted to be the the least penalized team in the league every year, uh, is one of our goals. And, uh, people still have that image of us being a big, strong mucking team. Um, but if you really watch our games, you know, our sticks are down, you know, we don't take unnecessary slashing penalties, uh, hooking penalties, and we still take them, but we're still one of the most, uh, least penalized team um in our league and um and so that's aided us to play as i said just a faster faster game um less physical uh but definitely a a faster game yeah coach i every time i you know hear about cornell and uh your squad it's all uh defense you guys are so defensive uh oriented um do you consider yourself like a uh, defensive coach and um if so, why, why do you kind of hone in on that? You know, I think if, you know, you guys had Sean or on or, or Ben Sire. I mean, they they came in probably thinking the same thing, and then they realize how much time we talk about puck possession. Um, you know, in our practices, uh, you know, every every freshman that comes in, we talk about, you know, there's going to come a point in time where you're going to play a team better than you, and if you can't take the puck away from or keep the uh, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And um, so you have to be able to win games on, on your defensive side of it because not all games are, are uh, um, not all games are going to be, are, are going to be where you're going to score that night. And so you better be able to, re- uh, you better be able to win by, by keeping the puck out of your net. And that's one thing that you know each night that you can be consistent at. Um, offensively, it can go ebb and flows as far as confidence. Um, but you know, defense can be consistent, and everybody can play it. And uh, we recruit that way, where we want guys that want to play it, and uh, uh, not want to play it, but they, you know, they, they they know that they have to play that game. So, so am, am I a defensive coach by nature? Um, if if you watched our team play this year, you know, you'd probably look at it and go, what, what are they doing with slashing their defensemen down through the net? And you know, they're all over the place in the offensive zone. Um, I, I think that that's a kind of a, a misconception, but I do believe that we're, we're really solid, solid fundamentally, uh, defensively all over the ice, but it's not just who we are. Sure. I'm curious what, for, for today's game, what, what would you say, you know, that then your style is, um, you know, as far as coaching and, and practicing, I, I did see that you like to keep your practices simple, um, so that, you know, nothing is too complex. 
what is what is that uh, you know the the team philosophy or uh, you know for today's game? What is your philosophy for today's game? Yeah, ours is all about uh, I would say puck possession and and uh, you know you know we don't want to give just give you the puck um, and we don't want to force it blind and um, throw it away and and man we don't want to dump it. You know, we will, but we don't want to. Um, right. So, I mean, our philosophy is just teaching our guys to, to – they have to make their own reads on the ice and make the proper reads. And, um, I mean, they, I, our practices are are difficult. I mean, they're, they're – you know, you talk to our players today when I was – I always ask our freshmen, you know, what was your first impression? And the freshmen were like, you know – they're all told that the practices and workouts are going to be the hardest you've ever had, but they'll be fun. Um, but that's, that makes it who we are. And, uh, so I guess, you know, in the freshman's mind, that's, uh, we, we practice hard, we work hard. And, um, but our, our philosophy is that we, we, we like to keep the puck, you know, we don't, yeah. and, and, uh, don't like to throw it away. And, uh, and that's where our first defensive staple comes from is that, you know, we're not careless with it. And, uh, so it's, uh, but it, it, uh, yeah, practices, I, I guess the drills are simple because I'm, I'm not a coach that really believes in like running like flow drills that go up, down, practice a two on one to a three on two to a three on three to a five on five. It's just, <laughs> it's not the game. You know, I like, I like practicing, you know, the fundamentals of it and, um, I let our guys get after it and, and compete and, um, so it's it's relatively simple. It's working. It's working. Yeah. To speak on that a little bit, uh, you know, this year and in, and in general with with Cornell, I you, I know you were, um, I think, 11 and 0 at home with two ties. You know, we're from Canton with Appleton Arena. What's it like having that home barn, that home ice advantage down in Cornell? I mean, I know it's a smaller barn. Uh, the fans are pretty loud in there. Uh, how is that home home ice advantage for you guys in Cornell? Well, it, it, it's good, but it's also pressure. I mean, uh, and you, you talk to, you know, again, having two guys in the league, Ben with Quinnipiac and Sean with uh, St. Lawrence, I mean, they tell you firsthand that, and we try to tell our players that, you know, we're going to get everybody's best in our rink because it's a great place to play and, and guys come in and, and they're going to be ready to play uh, and get after it. And, uh, you know, so – it carries it with the excitement and it's, it's fun, but it carries it also. I think what it prepares us for the end of the year in the sense that we're not going to get someone's cheesiest effort of the night, you know, um, you know, on a Friday in our rink. I mean, kids are going to come in and some kids are going to look forward to be the biggest game of the year. And some kids are going to be terrified because of the crowd. And, you know, you're, so you're going to get, you know, you're going to get guys efforts uh, throughout the course of the, of the game. And so it just makes you better as a team, but, yeah, I think that you know uh, Brett will will get that going. I mean, Casey, uh, who played for me here and worked for me, and and uh, you know he's got things going at Clarkson, and uh, it just takes a matter of time. And and Brent, uh, he'll, he'll do the same thing at, at you know it'll it'll take some time, but Brent's cut from the same cloth as Casey and myself, and uh, he'll get things going in the, in the right direction. It's going to take him some time, but he'll he'll have that same kind of uh, home ice advantage up in in in. Uh, in Canton at Appleton in a, in a short period of time. So coach, before we let you go, we'd be remiss if we didn't have you speak a little bit about Flanny, man. How's, uh, 
how's Flanny doing down there? What do you like about him? And, uh, you know, he's obviously, uh, we're all big fans of his. So, um, talk a little about, about him and what he's brought to the program. Well, I think Flanny is a pretty serious guy, right? You guys know Flanny. He's, uh, he's <laughs> pretty zoned, pretty zoned, pretty zoned in on, on what he does and, and takes a great deal of pride in it. So with regards to getting a hold of recruits and, you know, he develops great, great development plans for our, our, our forwards. He works with those guys. Um, you know, I gave him, you know, more, even more responsibility this year with our power play and, and, uh, he did a great job with, with, with those guys. And we, him and I worked together in that area with the, with the power play and, but he's, he's in charge of it. And, um, but he's just very detail oriented. He cares a lot and he wants to win. He's very competitive and, um, you know, so he carries all those great traits that you want in a coach. But, you know, he's fully committed, man. He, he'll pick up and he'll drive up to, to Toronto and see a game and, and leave the game at 10 o'clock at night and get back at 2.30 and then be on the ice for an 8.30 development session with the, with the guys. And he's just fully committed. He's, he's all in. Uh, and I like those guys in our in our staff. I mean, you know, Sean's had to go the rough way, right? He went to – he's with Hobart and then a hockey ops and – you know, one of my guys right now played at Potsdam State. He's our hockey ops, and he went to Skidmore and coached some youth hockey. And and he's got that same uh, chip on his shoulder as a, you know, as a hockey ops guy. And and uh, so a lot of those coaches, Ben Sire was, uh, you know, he coached at what played at Western Ontario, started a program at Quinnipiac, and had to fight his way for respect. And so it's it's a great uh, it's a great staff. I mean, and Sean is a big big part of it. Yeah, great hockey family, and you know I think he's going to be a, a a good coach for you guys as long as he's there. And you know the things that his uncle's done, and um, you know just his brother and the whole family's involved in hockey, and that's their life, and they got a lot of passion for it. So we're happy for Sean Flanagan being Canton guys, and we wish him the best of luck. But we really appreciate you coming on, coach, and giving us your perspective. Uh, shitty way to end the season, but. You know, great teams coming out of Cornell and, and a lot of big things to come in 2021. I appreciate it. Yeah, with three seniors, I think we'll be, you know, hopefully we'll get right back at it. But I just can't believe you guys didn't have, you know, at least Breaker on here with, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Joe Marsh and uh, uh, two of those guys, Danny Alberti, and, and really get this thing going. I mean, uh, we could all pick on pick on Joe a little bit and, and see where it went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll make that Next happen sometime. He's I would love that. I have I have more Joe Mar stories that you guys have never heard. <laughs> we'll get you on again when uh, you know in a couple of years, maybe three to five years when you're coaching the NHL. We'll we'll get you back on. Well, you, if we can ever get Joe out of his cottage in Maine, we'll be all set. <laughs> we'll work on it. Joe's coming out. We'll work on it. Thanks, Mike. All right, sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks for your time, man. Thank you. All right. Another great interview with Coach uh, Mike Schaefer from the Big Red in Cornell. Uh, obviously a terrible end to a season for those guys in Ithaca, um, having such a tremendous season, only two losses all year. Um, you know, one every game at home, two ties, 11 and two, uh, two ties at, at home. You know, just – just an amazing season, and I can't imagine what those kids are feeling. I mean, being a college athlete, um, you know, that was everything in my life at that point. You know, it was just all about 
my college sports. You know, I didn't give a shit about going to class and all the other bullshit that came in college. It was sports. And my team was the number one thing that I focused on in my life at that time. And I can't imagine having that season cut short with a team that good. I mean, if you were the team that's, you know, borderline, you know, had a rough season but made the playoffs, yeah, okay, you know, we might be able to to stomach it. But, man, what a tough tough loss for these kids, man. And even for the coach, you know, these guys put so much time and effort in what they do. I mean, it becomes their passion in life too. And then, you know, to have a team like that not being able to finish the season out, you know, it's just a shame. I think, I mean, if it was, I mean, if I was on that team, I'd be fucking pissed. I mean, and then you look at the NCAA and, you know, like you said, you know, they're not going to, they're going to just lose their eligibility. Um, I don't know. It, I think it's just, I can't even imagine being like you say at that high echelon, like, you know, you're, you're going to probably play for an NCAA championship, but even the guys, I mean, even the teams that, you know, like you say, barely make the playoffs or whatever. I mean, Regardless of the situation, it's absolutely awful. I mean, I can't. It's it, you know, you're there's a there's like a chunk of your life that just gets like stripped away from you, you know. And you've poured your heart and soul to this. These, you know, these programs are. It takes four and five years to 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 get a program to the level of where Cornell was, right? And then NCAA comes in, some fucking virus comes out of China or wherever the hell it comes from, and it it just strips everything away, and it's like. It, it's it's awful. I don't. I mean, I can't even. I was loved. I, I love to get his perspective on that because I think that's just like a, a really big question I had in my mind. Like, what do these players think about this? I mean, I think it's kind of obvious they're pissed, upset, sad. Um, I don't know. It's 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 really a, a weird situation. These poor guys will never get it back, which is I, I yeah, find, the worst for. Yeah. I find myself in a weird situation where. You know, I, I'm going to defend the ECAs here, the NCAAs right now. You know, what the fuck are they supposed to do, right? You know, they, they didn't plan on this. You know, it's it's not exactly, you know, they're the ones that are making this decision to, you know, cancel the rest of the season. But who wants to make that call? Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah, not a tougher coach. Go ahead, Pat. No, I was just going to say I, I wanted to ask him, but I didn't want to, you know, talk about it too much because, you know, I would be fucking pissed off if I was a coach. But, like, what did you do the night you found out? Like, did you just go pick up a case of beer at the 7-Eleven and just chug it? But, you know, to have this small school like Cornell who cannot recruit players in the small, I call it small ECAC league, you know, Clarkson was up there with them too. Um, it only happens once in a while in college hockey that right. you see an ECAC team at the, you know, national championship game, let alone the Frozen Four. Chosen uh, to win, you know, they're, you they're the ones to win. Yeah, and you could have seen two teams, you know, Clarkson and Cornell, but Cornell was, you know, they were going to hang a banner in that in that arena this year. Pretty sure. I mean, it's tough to say, but uh, they still had to go and play. But they the were, odds they were for them. Yeah, yeah. And so, like you said, you know, like you said, Pat, for a coach, I mean, this is what they they do. You know, there's not very many opportunities they get to win these yeah, uh, ECACs or yeah. win a Frozen Four or get to the Frozen Four. Um, you know, that's their career, right? And that's what they that's what they strive what they for every year, and they put 
tons of effort and passion into this. And, you know, you guys know what, what it takes to coach a team and to recruit the team. And, you know, the weight rooms at 6 a.m. and the off-ice and, the, you know, everything that goes into it. I mean, the games are one thing on the weekends, but, you know, it's 40 hours a week for these kids every day or every week. And, you know, for a coach not to get the opportunity, you know, he only has so many opportunities to get there, too. You know, I know these kids lost their opportunity as seniors, um, but there's not yeah, that many coaches who made it to the Final Four. Yeah. And you know what? The other thing I just wanted to bash on real quick is, you know, if this was uh, college football, it would, the news would be unreal about it. Like, you know, the college football season ended. And, you know, we're hockey fans. We're from, we played hockey since we could walk. We're from the Canadian border. Hockey is our football. Hockey is our football. And, you know, there's n- no talk about it at all. I've been watching ESPN every once in a while because there's nothing else on. But they don't even, like, mention it or they don't even play some old, uh, um, you know, Frozen Fours. They're yep. playing, yep. you know, old NCAA basketball. Yeah, well, he said it. Mike, Mike said it. You know, look, if money talks and bullshit walks. And as soon as basketball called it, every other sport yeah. down the yeah, line knew that that was coming, you know, so we're, we're not the yeah. biggest money maker, but you know, fuck, it still hurts. It's got I can't, I mean, he, he can't even imagine yeah. it. I can't either. I can't like, you know, think about us, like on a, such a smaller scale, like, you know, like when we were playing for like a high school uh, hockey state championship, imagine working the whole year, you know, you busted your ass, you blood, sweat and tears of the whole year to get there. You get two, three, four games away from it, and they just say, "Sorry, guys, it's over." You know, I, I mean, Derek, I can't. Even... Derek, I, I heard you had a broken arm in the state championships. I mean, yeah. What, what what did you persevere to go through to get to that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is well, you did you did about. that, Rob. But yeah, I mean, I it's uh, what did he do? He hit you from behind, didn't he? he hit from behind. I hit him from behind. Yeah. Took his power play spot and he got pissed. Hit me from behind. <laughs> Anyways, he uh, you won't fucking do that again, will you? No, no. <laughs> but no, on a very serious note, it's crazy, man. I can't. I feel so bad for these players. Yeah. Whatever sport it is, and it, you know the hockey gets the least amount of attention, like you're saying, Pat, which is absolute horseshit. Um, but you know, all these players have had like you know like a part of their friggin' soul ripped out of them. So um, I feel for. I wish there could be something done to make them not lose that eligibility. But at the same time, you know, like if somebody's graduating, maybe they've got a job offer on the other end, like they're not going to go play on the next level anywhere. So they have a job offer. So like, what do you do? Um, you know, so I don't know how, how you make that work, but maybe for players that want to come back, the NCAA should have offered, maybe offered that eligibility. I just don't know what the answer is, but. The, the problem <laughs> is, and the only reason I am in any way defending ECAC is, they're at 29 games. So, you know, he, Coach Schaefer, again, said that they basically played the season. So how, how do you say, okay, you played 30 games. You didn't get to finish it out and have a champion, but we're going to let everybody come back again? I mean, it's a fucking awful situation. I wouldn't want to be on either side of that. Yeah. No. Then you get freshman people pissed off that their scholarship money is tied up. And, you know, then what do they do? It's comes fresh freshmen coming in. There's no money for them. Um, 
you know, so, but this all happens in three days, right? So I think the first thing that came out, I think he said it was on like a Monday, um, they were going to play with no fans and everybody was like, what the fuck? No fans. This is bullshit. You know, before the stuff got crazy and then Wednesday, everything's canceled, you know? So it went from the extreme, no fans where everybody was like shocked by that. Like who the hell wants to play in front of no fans to, you know, season's over. So, I mean, for three days for these kids it went that went pretty quick from when they went to, uh, you know, possibly being able to play out their playoffs to, you know, pack up your shit and go home and study online. Yeah. yeah and, you know, it, just uh, to touch on that, um, you know, it kind of made it easier for the NHL teams to sign all their college recruits, right? Uh, a lot of seniors. We had Jeremy Swame. 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 Swayman on the podcast, he signed with Boston, but, you know, usually that doesn't happen, you know, for another few weeks. Um, so the, some NHL teams got to, uh, you know, figure out some things a little early this year, but. Um, so, you yeah. know, the, the one thing I would say is this, look, Cornell basically gets to act like they are the national champions this year. By default, they're the number one. They're going to get to recruit as if they were going to go on and win, you know, that title. They have a yeah. story to tell. They were sitting hard at number one. Everybody was favoring these guys, and they're fucking solid. You know, I, I think it would be – even Vegas would be tough to say that, you know, the odds are they're going to lose. They still have to go play that game. They still had to win it. But, you know, it's going to favor them this year. You know, people uh, uh, that are making decisions – do I want to go to Cornell? They're, they're going to choose Cornell, right? Yeah. I, I remember right. when I got recruited by Cornell, mainly yeah. from um, math and um, <laughs> trigonometry. But... I thought it was your science <laughs> chemistry, but. No, I was, I was into a double major, um, but math, <laughs> was the, math was the uh, same thing. It was a great school, did the tour. Um, but to uh, change the subject and get into NHL news, um, before we do that, though, we got um, some pretty sick uh, um, gear wallets from uh, Second String. What's... Second String Leather. Leather, yeah. Let, let me go ahead and uh, just plug them. I mean, yeah, meow it, so... meow it, Rob. Meow. <laughs> since, since we got Second String, since we got those uh, wallets from Second String Leather, you know, I, I haven't really been able to think of much. Um, you know, since then, I, I'm just really blown away. You know, as an American, we don't really make much anymore. So to, to see something that I love in hockey and then to, to see that we are making it here, uh, um, you know, those are two things that I care about quite, quite, uh, a, a lot. Second so, string leather is, yeah. Tell yeah, them what it yeah. is, rather. Wild, so, they take old pads. Way better than my pillow. Way better than my pillow, yeah. So we, we got, we each got some leather wallets. They are hand-stitched leather products. That Do it were, in the voice, Rob, though. Do it in that guy's voice. Second string leather company. I can't, I can't get into the... Second string leather. That fucking voice <laughs> is the shit. <laughs> Uh, no, they get all the products. Pads, the products are the bottom. equipment and, uh, and you know, rip it apart, restitch it, 
Uh, I had a little uh, collection has lacquer on there, selected. some shit, and you guys gotta check it out. All the keychains, belts, wallets, uh, totes, bags. Check them out. Second string leather. They're awesome. Awesome. Check out our YouTube video. You'll see a nice commercial of that at the beginning of the show. You'll see how they make the products out of old hockey pads and a great product. All right, boys, let's transition into a little bit of the NHL. Couple things going on. I did hear some rumors. Obviously, the Tuka Rask thing. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, that he yeah. kind of like just vaguely said that he possibly might not come back. Like, so the speculation is he's going to retire. Um, and how many other guys are going to retire? Um, like, you know, Joe Thornton or Chara. Some of these guys are they going to come back next year? So a lot of that speculation going on. Just uh, you know, as a Bruins fan, you know. When Tim, T- Tim Thomas won the Stanley Cup back in 2011-12 season, you know, he all of a sudden decided that he was going to retire too. Um, it was just I, – I don't know if that's, you know, the facts are straight there, but we all know about Tim Thomas decided to, uh, you know, just up and leave the Bruins and now to harass. There was harass. something there, but he retired. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it was something – I think – what was it? There's a that pause or a delay. Just to, or, a, uh, just to take a step back, you know, Tim Thomas is a stand-up goalie. He was one of the last stand-up goaltenders. You know, yeah. a really fucking good stand-up goaltender. But, you know, the league had shifted. Everything had changed. I think there was something behind the scenes that we don't all know about. Uh, I'm certainly not privy to, you know, the conversations with the Bruins behind the scenes. Yeah, but, but it just sucks that the Bruins on. now are, you know, scrambling and now they're like fuck what do we do now uh, again so that sucks yeah they're kind of the cornell right now of the nhl right they're the team yeah. that probably one of the best teams in the nhl when it got postponed and now you got guys like chara what is he 42 43 um Just and the rumor, rumor of turkarask uh he had some family issues or i don't know what happened but he took a leave this year i don't know if you guys know what that leave was for but definitely some I don't. something that happened to him that's been wearing on him and not wanting him to spend more family time. So I think that's where it's coming from. That was a question that was asked to him. And he kind of said that, you know, family time might be more important to him at this point, but it's a long, you know, I think his contract's up this summer. So, you know, who knows you know, that. The, the NHL came out with uh, a few, um, you know, a couple news articles lately or just, you know, about canceling things and I, I think they're jumping the gun first of all they they canceled the nhl draft which is you know june 26th and 27th and this year was going to be in montreal so they they canceled that already which to me i think is a little too early um but they they did cancel the uh scouting combine scouting combine in buffalo and then the nhl awards in las vegas this year um so so that's two uh, two things that the NHL canceled. Just came out Looks with. Like that. They're not going to Vegas. The, the only thing I'm going to comment on that is is this: look, when you pause major events like that, and there is no certainty that this time is going to be the actual, you know, turn the lights back on or or hit go, and everybody can proceed. You can't just turn on events like that. It takes planning, and there are ramp ups and you know, yeah, but with you saying that, that we don't know, then why, on the other hand, why we don't know, so why cancel it? Do you want me to get into out? the scientific reason? Because the scientific reason would be but, 
Anyways, that shows that here we down the road here. So, but uh, the location, timing, and format of the 2020 NHL draft and the draft lottery will be announced with details once they're finalized, the league said. So we don't know about that. But uh, everything else has been canceled, scouting combine, um, the NHL awards in Vegas, and the NHL draft in Montreal. So uh, I'm boring I, I, think, Pat, I think you're right. I think it's way premature to do that. However, you know, you look at – Look at the NFL. The NFL is not even not even postponing their not even postponing their draft. You, I think what could have been done is you just like amend how you're going to do the draft. I mean, let's not like you have. I mean, I think what's happening here is like a massive um, freak out across across the board. You know, it's um, er, and it, everybody's kind of just like it's like a snowball rolling downhill, right? It's just like one person says something and it just keeps keeps just compounding, compounding, compounding. So. I don't know. I think there's it could have easily been a way to do the NHL draft without postponing it. Like, yeah, the problem, the problem is we can't have people in in the same close proximity. So they don't have it. Don't, don't have that. The NH, the NFL is doing all their stuff remote. You know, like so, so a virtual do, draft. Yeah, do you yeah. know? Do it okay. like do it like you know we would do like you know. Uh, Friggin' fantasy draft, Mock basically. Draft, you know? Fantasy, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I so, that. that's a valid solution. Yeah, that's I mean, at, at some point, like at some point, you gotta like quit wrecking every young person. Like, you know, people's dreams and lives have been put into making it to the point where they're gonna get drafted in the NHL. They're gonna get drafted in the NFL. Um, they're gonna play in a championship game. Like, you know, at, at some point, you gotta like. There's a fine line here. Like, you gotta kind of like not crush everybody's dreams and hope and everything else and still make this stuff happen somehow. Like there's ways to do this. And I just think canceling everything is just like a weak way of doing things, but there's opinions on every, on everybody's side. And sure. I think there's, I, I do though believe in my opinion, that you can, uh, you can totally tweak the way that this is all being done and still let it happen. You know, I, I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Okay. So Jordan went to the draft in 95. Or what, what year did he go to the draft? 95. I think you were in, was in, in 97, but <laughs> what year did he go to the draft? My, my point is this. Everybody else got to go to the physical draft. They got to experience that event. It, it, it is an entire weekend. It's an event that you're never going to forget if you never fucking play a day in the NHL. So now this class gets to do a virtual draft. Better than well, nothing, though. Well, I mean, what's be- I mean, nothing but fuck. You're missing everything. You're well, missing I mean, all the entire not, experience. It's either that or nothing. I mean, yeah. at least you're going to have your name called. It's it's difficult to predict, and you know, the time frame and everything's difficult. I mean, the NHL sees. NHL season has been on pause since March 12th, and you know the the NHL said they're running sev- several different models on ways they can complete the NHL season. They're still talking about that, if possible at all. So it's it's not different. I am look. I, I am going to go on record to say I, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I'm sorry. Yeah, probably not. But scientifically, you know, I a day as a you know, quote unquote scientist, and I, I just don't see how this happens. You know, I'm, I'm uh, sorry, on, on that note, you know, the NHL um, they have set up 
the possibility of holding the 2020 draft in a private um, session with teams picking from remote locations, something the go. league hasn't, hasn't seen since the non-lockout season in the early 1970s. So uh, that's something possible. Um, it's a way forward. Look, that's hope. I am with it. And I'm all for trying to kick. Look, I want to kickstart this economy just like everybody else. I don't want to be sitting at home. I don't want my kids sitting at home with me all day, every day either. I want him going back to school, but I'm not going to send him back into a place that's not good for him. Sorry. And, you know, anybody who thinks it's okay to put yourself back out right now, I think you're foolish. You know, that's my opinion. I see, I see the, uh, the Boston, sorry, the Boston Bruins um, just came out that they're not, uh, paying, I think the Hurricanes came out today too that they are after this week are not uh, supplementing fifty uh, percent of the salaries or something like that. I think they're yeah, going something like percent. that. So it's hitting yeah. everywhere. Uh, it's it's a tough call. I mean, they they just signed all these new players that are you know their college season ended. Um, got a little uh, a bump up on that, um, and uh, it's tough though, but. I did see uh, just change change tune here that there was a another kid from the WHL out in the West West Coast Hockey League got um, exceptional status uh, to put you know go in the OHL. I mean, what exactly is that? I, I'm not sure I understood. Like that. A year earlier, I saw that Connor Better Connor Better. Um, I'm gonna try to get him on the podcast here, but. Uh, to play in the OHL, you got to be um, 16 years old and uh, 16, I believe, or older. He's 14, and they're letting him play at 15 next year. Okay, um, that's big news. Uh, that only comes around every once in a while, and uh, he's players, yeah. some big names that uh, you know, Connor McDavid, John Tavares. Um, so that's great. That's some good news for uh, um, the hockey world, anyways. To since since this whole pause happened, um, that, you yeah. know, that, like I said, that comes around every once in a while. Yeah. Bruins are getting a lot of heat right now. They own a billion dollar owner and not paying his staff. Yeah. Um, I mean, these guys are just going to have to go out and collect unemployment like everybody else. You know, that's what's happening right now, especially with like the restaurant industry. All those people are on unemployment. Um, you know, it is what it I is. See right? the, I see the Dallas Stars brass takes 50% pay cut. With you know, yeah. with the season halted, so everyone's taking uh, the GM, the yeah, GM, and the, and the president. Yep. So. Yeah, just to take some pressure off of everything. Yeah, yeah. they'll, give, them, they'll give themselves a contingency check to make up for that, though. Yeah, right. Bonus. It, it sucks <laughs> for us. Parachute, just in case. Yeah. I guess the owner of the stars is uh, is in the hotel and restaurant business, so. I guess that was kind of part of it because he's getting crushed right now. So they decided oh, no to a little. No doubt, and and you know the restaurant, the restaurant business. I mean, Mark, you know, your your profits are all paying out to all of the staff. You know, so you guys are really the the heart and soul of our economy. Yeah, workers that build shit are great. Those guys got to eat, and and you know. Uh, our restaurant industry has taken a huge fucking hit. Yeah, my brother's in the restaurant industry, and they're doing about fifteen to twenty percent of normal business. So 
everybody's struggling right now, even the, you know, so they can talk about the people that stadiums not uh, having paychecks, but there's a lot of people out there right now not having paychecks. So especially in that hourly wage, um, you know, spectrum of it. So, but you know, the guys, we got to, you know, plug through this and, you know, we're going to get down here in the South. I think we're going to get a stay at home pretty soon. So, um, we're following the north behind a week, so it's all gonna take a little while, and hopefully this shit plays out. And you know, if there's a chance to play some hockey, that'd be the, great. The math feels like that you're following it a week behind, but it, the the cases that you're getting positive now are two weeks back. So today, its numbers are three weeks behind. So you got to look out three weeks ahead and see what what those numbers are going to be. Um, and, yeah. and that's where it becomes. Nobody really knows, right? I would love to say Easter is is doable. We all want Easter to be doable. I just don't think it's going to happen. It's tough for us as a hockey podcast. You know, this is our prime uh, uh, season. You know, like I said it before, breaking out the grills, the sun's coming out, sunglasses, flip-flops, watching NHL playoffs. It's it's tough for us to even generate content. Um, But we're getting some guests on. next few podcasts so we're continuing with uh um getting guests on to talk about it uh, i think we're going to get the clarkson coach um another ecac coach who did a really um great uh um had a really great season this year and then mike ruzioni um a bunch of other guests so uh you know we're, we're still uh putting out podcasts out there for everyone yeah, there's a lot of people looking for stuff to uh, to do while they're sitting at home. So check out our podcast. And if you uh, missed one of our earlier podcasts, they're all on our website at bluelinehockey.com. A lot of them on our YouTube channel if you want to watch the videos while you're sitting at home. Nothing on TV to watch. So check out the Blue Line Hockey Club. So that's pretty cool stuff. We'll be putting out a video of this podcast too. So that'll be on our YouTube channel as well. Check out our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And we'll keep plugging away here and we'll have some good content for you. So, all right, boys, we'll have another good guest next week. And until next time, keep your stick on the ice. See ya. Here we go. Oh, doctor. Keep your head up. Stay positive, folks.